everyone, and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you're here. Now, your share pastor, Dr. Stu Kokenauer. My name is Stu Kokenauer, and I am the share strategy pastor here at Southcliff. Dr. Marr is not with us today. Unfortunately, he uh, is not feeling well. He's sick, and so he asked me a few days ago to um, prepare a message for you, and I'm glad I can do that uh, and that I had a few days. I'm a missions pastor, which means on more than one occasion, I've been overseas, jet lagged, not feeling good, a guest at a church, only to be told halfway through the service that I'm preaching that day. So this is good to have a few days notice. Um, I've been here for a long time. I know most of you. But today, I, I, I do want to share a message um, that, that does relate in some ways to, as we think about graduation, we think about our seniors, but also very much as my heart and think about missions. And uh, I want to talk about success. I want to talk about um, God's definition of success. As I think about that, I was actually had the opportunity to speak at Southwestern Seminary at a missions conference uh, a few weeks ago. And I started my session with this statement. I'm gonna start the same, uh, this, this time we have together with the same statement. I want you to think about this and do you agree or disagree with this statement? I believe that this is the greatest time to be alive and the history of our nation. I believe that this is the greatest time to be alive in the history of our nation. How many of you agree with this statement? How many of you disagree with this statement? Okay, probably a few more on the disagree than agree. Good thing the seniors aren't in the room, no. Uh, But there is a lot of pessimism that we encounter. Why we say that? Well. Our economy is a mess. Sinful living is no longer something that happens in the shadows, right? It happens uh, out in public. So many politicians, celebrities, professional athletes, uh, our heroes are all, it's seeming to be mostly ungodly examples. There are wars and threats of wars around the world. News companies and social media companies and advertisers are constantly seeking to manipulate us. And people are coming to our cities from all over the globe. From this perspective, um, some people may say, I, I don't recognize America that, that I grew up in. I don't, I don't think that this is a good time in our history. And maybe from a political standpoint, that's correct. But I wanna talk about God's understanding of the mission of the church and the mission of the individual Christian, and why I can confidently say this is a great time to be alive in the history of Christianity. This is an amazing time to be a Christian. Well, why? Why do I believe this is a great time? First of all, if you study church history, the kingdom of God rarely flourishes in times of prosperity. What happened, where it was the great diaspora of mission, initially it was through the Roman persecution where, where, the, where the Christians were forced to take the gospel into the nations. 
When there is adversity, it seems that those are the time that people get on board with the mission of God. And when there is prosperity, it seems that people start thinking inwardly on themselves. The next thing is the, the, we, we need to trust the scripture and the Holy Spirit for guidance in our lives. We don't need to trust politicians and celebrities and spokespersons and athletes and news agencies to determine our values. We need to trust in scripture. And when we see our heroes fail, we understand, oh yeah, that's not who we should be worshiping anyway. We need to be focused on what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. And so when, when, when people we respect do bad things, it, it does cause us to reorient, to say, we need to focus on scripture and the Holy Spirit. Look at technology. There are a lot of bad things about technology we can talk about. But did you know every Saturday night on my social media feed, I get to see a church service in Hong Kong, and there's one in Thailand that I watch. And all over the world, I get pop-ups because of technology for free. I can worship along with brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world. And right here, right now, I'm looking in the camera, those of you, there are people watching in Hong Kong. Hi, guys. There are people watching in Serbia. Hey. There are people watching maybe in, on the African continent and in Europe and all through Latin America. And in fact, don't do it right now, but if you search, I can show you, you can hear my sermon on Facebook Live. Uh, let's see, during this service, it's translated into uh, Burmese and Swahili. And in the next service, it's translated into Spanish. And literally there are people around the world listening to this sermon right now, live, in Burma, or in another country where they speak the Burmese, or on the African continent, or other places in the U.S., and, and all through Latin America, next service. Uh, it's amazing, the possibility. Uh, some of you knew Marla, our finance secretary. We, we miss her, but she actually left Southwood to go to work for a ministry called Global Media Outreach, and their, their purpose is sharing the gospel throughout the world, including closed countries, and every year they have tens of thousands of people accept, the Christ, accept Christ, accept the gospel, in closed countries because of that of technology. It is an amazing time. And also think of even in this room, the great women and men and women we have in this room that have immigrated from other countries, or international students, uh, and the fact that we have uh, so many opportunities because of, of our nation, that we can share the gospel with Buddhists and Muslims and Hindus that are now our neighbors. God has literally brought the ends of the earth to us and, and given us, as, as, as a missions pastor, I'm like, yes, we have people in our neighborhoods that we can share the gospel with. This is such a great time to be a Christian. Now, I want to take a look at a a verse that defines what I believe is God's definition of success for this church and also God's definition of success for you as an individual Christian. Turn to the first chapter of Acts. And we're going to look at starting with verse 6. Give me just a second to flip there. Okay, a very familiar missions passage, but oftentimes... 
The sermon will focus on verse 8 and forget the rest. We're going to read this in context. And actually, we're going to do something that I learned overseas. And I'm going to ask you if you are able to stand as we read God's word. Just out of reverence for the word of God. And I'll read uh, starting with verse 6. Then, and let me just context, this is after the death and the resurrection of Christ. Acts is a sequel to the book of Luke. So in Luke you have Jesus. Acts ends uh, you know, at the, at the end, after the resurrection of Christ, and I'm sorry, Luke ends after the resurrection of Christ, then Acts begins. And in verse 6 it says, they gathered around him, meaning Jesus, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to, to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will, re- will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You may be seated. As we think about this passage in context, we all know Acts 1-8, but in context, think about this from Jesus' perspective. Because as I was reviewing this, uh, I, I thought, oh, wow, this isn't how I imagined it. Because, you know, when we read this, because we're reading scripture and we've all seen Jesus movies, and it's almost like we think in a very sage, proper manner, Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times and the dates that the Father has sent. You know, very, very diplomatic. But I want you to think about this very possibly from the perspective, almost like a parent with small children on a road trip. Has anyone been a parent on a small children on a road trip? Lots of fun, huh? Are we there yet? I'm thirsty. Are we there uh, he touched me, you know. At that point, probably the parent's perspective is, oh, children, thou must be silent, you know. And then the same thing, from Jesus's perspective, he lived a perfect life. He gathered the disciples. He taught them. He lived with them. He taught them the good news of the kingdom of God. He preached it. And then they saw what happened at the arrest and the crucifixion and the resurrection and he appeared to them in the upper room and he took them and he performed a miracle with the nets, the resurrected Christ. This is about the kingdom of God. We're, the gospel, this is the gospel. Jesus is like, I did it. This is the gospel. We're going to spread the good news of God's love to everyone in nation just as it was prophesied back in the book of Genesis, where it's about taking the love of God and the message of, uh, message of God and taking people that are destined for an eternity away from, separated from God, and we're going to bring them into God's family. This is the most revolutionary spiritual message in creation. And the disciples say, whew, that was a lot, Jesus. Let's talk about politics. I want to know when we're going to kick out the Romans and we're going to build our own government. This is all about government, right? This is all about politics. And I'm sure Jesus was like, it doesn't say in scripture what Jesus did, but it was probably something like this. You guys still don't get it. I died and I rose again and you think this is about politics. This is, we'll get there. We'll get there, we'll get, we'll get to the end times, we'll get there, but right now, 
I have a message for you. I was about to launch the Great Commission in the back of my mind. Here we go, ready, Great Commission. You're like, excuse me, sir, let's talk about kicking out the Romans. Let's talk about building a political kingdom. (sighs) Jesus is like that parent on the road trip. Okay, guys, one more time. We're going to go over this again. Listen, and this is what Jesus said. He said, hey, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but listen closely, guys, focus in. This is what it's about. I'm about to tell you the last thing I'm going to tell you before I'm gone. Take good notes. And Jesus said, but you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the other most parts of the earth. Let's pick that apart. Let's look at that. First of all, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Guys, I was raised in a Baptist church and there are a lot of things we're good at. We're really, really, really good at Bible studies, right? Some of you, I guess the first service, will leave from here and go to a grow group. I hope you do. I hope you're in a grow group. I hope you don't just come one hour and go home. Be a part of a grow group. Some of you are not here because you're in there in a grow group and you'll be here next hour. Some of you do evening Bible studies, home Bible studies, Thursday morning ladies Bible studies, Bible study fellowship. You get the point. We do a lot of Bible studies and we're good at it and you should be doing that. But one of the things that I think that maybe Southern Baptist has not been excellent at And that is trusting and spending time listening and depending on the Holy Spirit. We just don't talk about the Holy Spirit as much as many denominations do, as many other Christians do. Guys, the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. We need to be excited about the fact that God is with us in the form of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Christ, and we have access to the comfort and the wisdom and the guidance of the Holy Spirit The analogy I think of this is, imagine you've got a brand new, expensive, beautiful car and you don't put any gas in it. That's the Christian without the Holy Spirit. It looks great, but it doesn't go anywhere. And so many Christians were like, well, I got Bible study, I got this, I got that, but I'm not trusting, I'm not taking time to shut down and listen and say, God, teach me, lead me, guide me. What do you want me to do? to be sensitive to listening, to develop that. And, and especially in evangelism, Jesus says it right here. He says, basically, I'm a, this is the first part of the Great Commission. Jesus didn't say, and here, listen, you will be my witnesses. He said, he said, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be my witnesses. That's one hang-up I have with some people with apologetics, because they actually think they can argue someone into the kingdom of God. Anyone here, maybe there's one or two, but probably have asked for a show of hands, probably there aren't many people in the room that says, I'm a Christian because I lost an argument. (laughs) And I was so happy to lose that argument, I came to Christ. Uh, There's a place for that. There's a place for reason and logic apologetics. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, apologetics just doesn't bear any fruit. Jesus said, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus. So, and sometimes it's like, I'm, I want to do this, but the Spirit's guiding me to do that. And so it's, it's not just um, praying for people that we should and praying for the lost, but it's also being guided by the Holy Spirit. And we see that all throughout the book of Acts. And then he went and he said, through the power of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, 
and we saw that as you read to the, in, the, in, in chapter 2. He says, you will be my witnesses, Christ speaking, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All right, it is recorded parallel in Mark 16. Uh, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So we've heard that again. We need to understand when Jesus, I believe, was giving this direction command, Jesus was saying, okay, church, get it. This is how I define success. I don't define success by number of members or how big your budget is or how many staff you have or, or, or how nice of this or that you have. I define success by is, is, are the individual members sharing the gospel here, there, and everywhere. That to me, from this understanding, is, is what it means to be a successful Christian. Why are so few people doing this? I love, did anyone see the movie Jesus Revolution? I love because it reminded me back in the 70s where people were talking about Jesus all the time, right? People in the news were talking about Jesus. Musicians were talking about Jesus, you know. Um, and why? There were, you know, Broadway shows about that. But we don't talk about Jesus as much. Oh, well, you know, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't, I, you know, I'm just not sure I have all the answers or this or that. We have so many excuses of why we don't want to talk about Jesus. And we, we also don't see, I believe, the people sharing the gospel, not just home, in our nation and around the world uh, as much as I believe that, is, that God wants to happen. Well, why is that? Well, I have one idea, and, and actually, if you'll indulge me, I want to pause this sermon, and I would like to unpreach a sermon. Have you ever heard anyone unpreach a sermon? I've never done that before, actually. But I'm going to unpreach what I believe is the most popular sermon in all of missions. I've heard this sermon before. I've been to dozens of church websites. I looked at a church website last week, and this sermon outline was on their website. I made sure it's not on ours, but anyway. Here, this is, I believe, the most popular sermon on missions, and, it, and here's the outline. Pray, give, go. Pray, give, go. How many of you have ever heard a sermon that had three points by a missionary or a mission executive, and the sermon basically said, pray, give, and go? Has anyone heard that? I've heard it. Come on. You've probably heard it here before. Pray, give, and go. That is such a great sermon. First of all, there's nothing wrong inherently with these three topics. I just think that as a mission sermon, it is a terrible mission sermon. And let me explain why. First of all, pray. Should we be praying? Yes, of course. Should we pray for our missionaries? Yes, they depend on it. And so in and itself, prayer is an essential thing that we should be doing, okay? Give, should we be giving? Of course. I believe that all Christians should tithe, which means 10% uh, of your salary goes to the work of the church. I believe that many of us are unable to give beyond our tithe to missions, to other products. I believe that giving is essential. If you're a member of this church, you should be tithing. You should be giving. That's just, I believe, what God asks us to do so we can continue to do that. And I can tell you how many, so many things we've been able to do globally as a church. From everything from helping at the pregnancy center and, and helping the homeless at Beautiful Feet to 
we're working to purchase a vehicle for a missionary that has to walk everywhere overseas, right? So there's amazing things uh, that you are a part of in, in, in doing in your giving. But guess what? There's all, a lot of things we could do, right? There's lots of great things we could do that relate to missions. But when we say pray and give and go, here is what many people hear. You, everyone can pray, right? Everyone can pray. And some of you really rich people can give. And a very few select young special super Christians can go. So pick one. Do you want to pray? Or do you want to give? Or do you want to go? And everyone's like, I'm over here with pray. (laughs) And the rich people can give. And the super Christians can go but I'm in box one. And the reason I will no longer share this message of pray, give, and go is Jesus did not say to the disciples in Acts 1a or in Mark or in Matthew, he did not say, church, I command you to pray for all of the world. He didn't say that in this passage, in the Great Commission. He, He didn't say, I'm gathering together disciples about to ascend in the clouds, and here is the purpose of the church. Give money so somebody else can do my job. That's not what he said. Jesus said, disciples, you and 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 you go. Jesus said, not a few of you, not those of you that are good with languages, not those of you that are young. He said to everyone, young and old, accomplished and not so accomplished, it is my job, it is my task, my definition of success for a church individual, for you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and the ends of the earth. He did not have a plan B. He did not have a point one or a two. <laughs> he only had go. And that's why I think so many times that people um, refuse to go or even refuse to witness in their own job or community or neighborhood or school because they will say, well, that's not my gift. You know, I'd like to talk about Jesus at lunch. I'd like to talk about Jesus in the office or at the water cooler. But that's just not my gift. Well, let me ask you this. Does anyone here have a gift to talk about your pets? There's not a spiritual gift in talking about your pets. Is there a spiritual gift to talk about your grandchildren? Is there a spiritual gift about praying, talking about your favorite sports team or what you like to do on weekends or maybe a new car you got? Guess what? I want to share you about you know, my new cat, or I want to share, I'll I'll show you pictures of my grandkids. I want to tell you my favorite team won this weekend. You don't need a spiritual gift to talk about things that are important to you. But if you don't talk about Jesus, Jesus may not be that important to you. Because you talk about things that are a priority in your life, that you're excited about. And Jesus said, wherever you go, starting in Jerusalem, you need to be talking about the gospel. You need to be verbally saying what what I'm doing in your life and how people's lives can be changed. Well, how do we take the gospel to Jerusalem? Well, what does that look like? It looks like tomorrow, whatever you do, you take the gospel with you and you start talking about Jesus. We're gonna talk about some ways you can do that in a minute. What about Judea? What does it mean, Judea? Well, we just had a group come back from New Orleans. Who went to New Orleans with us? I see some of you, a few of you did. 
And we specifically said, I'm going to set aside time and money. I'm going to go to another city and daily we're going to serve God. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to do that. Sometimes people go on a business trip or people uh, work or family or something takes us to a new place. Uh, Is Benny and Billy Wise here? They go on cruises and share the gospel every day on cruise ships. That's like my, maybe that maybe my gift someday. I don't know. But they do that. They go to cruise ships and witness to people. They have a, a fairly captive audience. They can't go that far. And it's amazing when I hear, I know people that go on vacation intensely and they come to me and say, Stu, I'm on vacation. I need a box of tracks because I'm going to go place where there are a lot of non-Christians and I want to share the gospel everywhere I go. Going to Judea is me means outside of your, outside of your city, but maybe not alien or foreign place, right? It's somewhere new, somewhere different, and, and share that. And then what do the ends of the earth look like? Well, that may look like becoming a missionary, but that just doesn't mean for young people. I, if you go and serve overseas, you'll realize that some of the best um, missionaries that I run into are retirees who had a career in the United States, and as soon as they retire, instead of like buying a Winnebago and touring around the world or going, you know, getting a beach house or, or whatever, what do they do? They say, I'm going to go to Thailand for two years and I'm going to serve the church in Thailand or I'm going to serve the church in Korea. I'm going to serve the church in Zambia. And it's amazing. Retirees can be an amazing force for the gospel because many times they're self-funded already. Uh, and they actually can live cheaper in another country than they can do there. And so it's amazing. Uh, I see people who are professionals that say, you know what? I've got a good practice. I've got a good, uh, a good thing going here. But God is moving. Look at Dan and Margie Potter. They're saying, okay, we're doing good. But God's not okay with us doing good. He wants us to send us somewhere. So many of you, whether you're young, whether you're in the middle, whether you're old, you need to pray about God sending you. But an easy thing you can do is go on a mission trip. Right now, I need about 10 to 12 people to go to Zambia with us this fall. I've got about five. Some of you need to say, you know, Stu, I'm not sure how I'm going to afford it. I'm not sure, you know, I'm going to do with my, you know, pets or my this or that. But, I, but let's talk about me helping you in Zambia. Uh, and that's a great way, even for just like two weeks or less, to go on a mission trip and be a part of what God is doing on another continent. And just seeing and putting your, your toes in the water uh, and encourage our missionaries. You know what? If all we do is go on a mission trip and encourage our, min, our missionaries, that's amazing. That missionary might be ready to quit. That missionary may have just be depressed or feeling isolated. And we go there and we love on our missionaries and our missionary kids and our missionary families. Uh, and so, yeah, pray about going on a mission trip with us. We'll be doing this. We're getting ready to leave here in a few weeks for Japan, but we'll be doing another Japan trip uh, in the winter. And we also have young adults preparing to go to Mexico in just a few weeks. Uh, and our youth, you know, going to New Orleans. There are lots of opportunities to do that. But you know what? There's something else, and I mentioned it before. Some of you can be missionaries in your own neighborhood. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but some of you have Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and atheists uh, living in your neighborhoods at your workplace, at your schools. Some of you serve in ESL and people that, we, that were huddled on the tarmac in Afghanistan trying to get out are coming to our ESL. People that have fled the Ukraine war are coming to our ESL. And our ESL teachers know what it's like to be foreign missionaries. 
because they are doing cross-cultural ministry to people on Thursday nights. And so you have the opportunity this time and place that there are no excuses. There are no excuses to do cross-cultural ministry. I think of Elizabeth Shaw, some of you know Elizabeth, knew Elizabeth, she passed away a few years ago. She grew up here, she had spina bifida, she was in a wheelchair. She felt called to reach people of the nations, but there's not one mission board that would appoint her. I, I put her, she's in the last chapter of my book, I talk about Elizabeth. But she would come in her wheelchair to ESL every Thursday, and then she would go on Wednesday night, or Wednesday nights to uh, our World Friends Cafe at the apartments, and she would sit for about three hours and just minister to Muslim women uh, over coffee. And then she did other things. Whenever we did like street witnessing, like she's there with her wheelchair. And it, uh, and it wasn't even a motorized one, right? And whenever we would do, she, I heard that she was in another church learning Japanese, <laughs> learning another language. And anyone that has an excuse about, well, they can't do cross-cultural ministry, I would say, I'm sorry, I might believe you, but I've met Elizabeth, so I don't believe you. Because, because I've never heard, met anyone that had more excuses than her and that didn't matter. And so you can do it. You can do cross-cultural ministry even here, no matter what your age is or, or where your, what your position is. Well, what else? What else can we do um, to share the gospel? Well, I mentioned mission trips. Also, um, I met with our, we have share interns that live in the apartments across the street that do ministry there. And we're going to be meeting together in evenings throughout the summer to go knock on doors. We're not going to do a canned presentation. We're just going to say, hey, we're your neighbor. We're from Southcliffe. We're going to go over there and over there and knock on doors and say, we just want to meet you, give you a gift, invite you to church and ask if we can pray for you. And if they say no, that's fine. If they want to have a spiritual conversation, great. But some of you, we need people to say, yeah, I'd love to be a part of that. So come talk to me after the service or go to the share center. I'll write your name down. And for this summer, you can join us just knocking on doors and sharing the gospel and meeting our neighbors. There's so much that you can do. And I I just want you to consider doing something. Being a part of God's commandment of sharing the gospel wherever you go, starting in Jerusalem. In fact, all I really want to talk about the rest of the service is here, is Jerusalem. We're not going to talk about missions and stuff. We talked about that. But I want to talk about what can you do tomorrow What can you do to share the gospel wherever you will be on Monday morning or Monday afternoon? And I want to give you two tools that that no matter where you are, whether you're at school or work at home or even online on Facebook or or Instagram, something that you can do to help be a part of God's commandment to take the gospel to everyone you're around. Tool number one is called a 15-second testimony. In the business world, they call this an elevator speech. 15-second testimony. In other words, you've got just a few seconds with someone, and you want to let them know uh, a little bit about the gospel. You can say something like this. This is mine. I'll I'll just tell you mine. You know, when I was younger, I felt guilty for doing bad stuff, and I I felt ashamed for doing bad stuff, and I always kind of, you know, looked down to the ground all the time, and, and I never felt free. And then someone told me that Jesus, because of what he did on the cross, he died and rose again, that he would forgive me of my sins. And when I heard that, that changed my life. 
And when I gave my life to Jesus, I no longer felt like I had to look at the ground and, and be ashamed all the time, but I could, ha- I could live knowing that I was a part of God's family. I don't know, maybe that's 18 seconds. But that's my testimony, my elevator testimony. I want to encourage all of you today, get out a sheet of paper, write down one paragraph. What is your 15-second testimony? What can you share with someone, with anyone? Maybe you want to record that on a video and share it on Facebook or Instagram or social media somewhere. Maybe you want to share that, practice sharing with a family member or whatever. But Work, first of all, what is, what is your 15-second testimony? What can you do? Now, do you need a two- or three-minute testimony? Of course. You need to go into, hey, I want to talk to you about this or that. Great. But 15 seconds. Have that ready. At any time the Holy Spirit, once again, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit leads you to share, you're ready with your 15-second testimony. That's my challenge, number one. Challenge number two, um, I want to share with you a, um, a little illustration that's been going around for several years. Actually, our Japan team is memorizing this because the missionaries in Japan say, hey, because we want you to be able to share um, with Japanese people in a, in a clear, succinct way that has some visuals because of some of the communication differences, um, we, want to, we want to teach you to share the gospel uh, using three circles. Some of you have been doing this for years. Some of you have never heard of this. But this is something I want, I'm just going to do for you and with you and uh, give you the opportunity to think about learning this. First of all, um, you can talk about the world. By the way, I'm not a good artist. This is close to the circle. Yet. So when you think about the world today, what do you think? And, this, and let me just pause and say, you can do this on a napkin at lunch. You can do this on a whiteboard after class. You can do this on a piece of paper and a journal on a park bench. But just, you know, a quick, easy drawing. Okay, what do you think about the world? If you look at the news, when you, when you read the paper, when you look at the, at the internet, when you look around you, what do you see? Brokenness. The world is broken. What, what do you mean by that? Well, there's violence, there's crime, there's disappointment, there's broken relationships, there's betrayal, there's immorality, there's... Um, there's so many people that are sad, that are depressed, that are anxious, that don't have assurance uh, of the future, that don't have happiness, that don't have joy. Our world, would you agree, is filled with brokenness. However, that's not the way that God intended it. You see, God had, when he created us, had a perfect plan for us, and that was a world of love. See, God designed us to be people that would love one another and would would live our lives loving one another and serving God and honoring God who created us. Unfortunately, even though uh, God created us for this, this is where we end up in a world of brokenness. Well, what do we do? Well, nobody likes to be broken, so we try doing different things. Well, I'm going to try a job, maybe having success in business, or maybe... If I invest right, I can get enough money. Or maybe if I have the right spouse, or we have the right children, or maybe, um, you know, there are things less functional, like maybe I, I get into some addictive behavior, or just try to escape through alcohol or drugs, or, or, or maybe I'm going to, uh, you know, do some other things that I'm going to take what, what's owed to me, whatever it is. We try to leave brokenness, but when we do this, just like a bungee cord, 
we just snap back. Something may, may feel good for a while, but relationships break apart. People are, are happy for a moment and then they're back into brokenness. And so it seems to me that no matter what we try to get rid of brokenness, it just fails. Well, God saw that and he said, God, I want you to be here. You know, we've, you know, we've, we've, we've left God's plan, right? And we've gone into brokenness. But God says, I want you back here. So what God did was say, okay, I'm, let's come up with a plan. Let's get you back, right? And this plan was through Jesus, through Jesus. And so what God said is, okay, we want, I, I want you back. And the way that I want you back is going to be through Jesus. Because your sin and your brokenness has to be dealt with. Something, the penalty has to be paid. So Jesus came, God made man, lived a perfect life, died on a cross. He came from heaven and he rose again through the power of God. And he made a way for us to be forgiven of our sins. And so if we want to turn from our ways, there we go. We want to turn from our ways and worship Jesus and give our life to Jesus and say, I want God to, I want to stop doing my thing my way. I want you to ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I want you to clean me up and adopt me into your family. If that happens, God says, yes, you can be back in God's kingdom. Now that's just a simple little illustration, something you could do in two minutes on a napkin or a whiteboard or a piece of paper. And then you, if you're sharing this with someone, you just ask the simple question. Well, where are you? Which kingdom are you in? Are you in God's kingdom that you understand you've been forgiven of your sins? You're living without guilt and shame? You, you've, you've, you're not perfect but you've been forgiven by God and you're, you have his spirit in your life. Are you still here in brokenness? Or maybe you're out here. Maybe you're trusting money or jobs or influence or, or something else to heal you. And just let someone say, well, yeah. Where do you want to be? Well, where are you? And they, many times people will say, I'm here in brokenness. Maybe they say, I know I'm here. And that's great. Or sometimes they say, I'm out here. But ask them, where are they? Well, where do you want to be? Maybe they say, I like being broken. I don't know. But many people say, I want to be here. And then you can talk about the gospel. You can share your story in longer than 15 seconds. You can point through scripture. You can share a Roman road presentation. But this is just something called a three circles illustration. And it helps you understand that uh, maybe in a visual way for some people, it's an easy way to share the gospel. Here's what I will do. I did not invent this. There are many versions of this going around, but I'll take the, the version closest to this and I'll post this on Southwest Facebook page today. And so if you want to memorize this, you want to review this, you can just go to Southwest Facebook page and you can watch it over and over again and, and you can hopefully learn to do that. So, so think about that. Just some simple tools, sharing your testimony in 15 seconds, wherever you go, and being able to sit down and share the gospel in a way. Maybe this isn't you, 
Maybe you want to do one verse evangelism. I love that. That's one of my favorite methods. Maybe you want to share some of the Roman road. The thing is, are you prepared? Do you have a way that you, feels comfortable and natural with you to share about the good news of Jesus? As we, as we want to close here, I want to do kind of a camp thing. Like I said, I was a youth minister for 20 years, so you know, camp is kind of my, uh, the way I think of things. I just want to take a moment to meditate and pray as we close out the service. Um, If you can, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And once again, it's not that I'm going to do anything, (laughs) you know, I don't want you to see. It's just simply because we're in a room with a lot of people. But I want you to, in your mind, for it to be just you and God. So don't think about the person to your right or left or in front or behind. Don't try not to think about me that much. But think about your relationship with God. First of all, when I shared that illustration of the three circles, maybe it hit you. I'm not in God's circle. I'm still living in brokenness. I'm still trying to climb the success ladder and I'm trying to do everything the world tells me to do and it's not working. I need Jesus. And if that's you, great news. Today is the day. So if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, been forgiven of your sin, and been adopted into God's family as his son or daughter, today can be the day. You simply pray a prayer like this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong. I'm sorry. Today I turn from my sin. Please forgive me through the power of the, of the death and resurrection of Christ. Forgive me my sins and make me a new creation. And I want to live for you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to tell someone today that, that you did. Out in the connection corner, there's going to be people there ready to talk with you about next steps and you can come and talk to me after the service but don't don't hold it in and be a secret the number one theme of this message today is the gospel is not a secret to be kept others of you you know what kingdom you're in you've given your life to Christ but you've bought the lie that religion is, is something personal that you don't talk about that is not biblical That's not Jesus. That's not God. That is a lie from the enemy. If your life has been changed by Jesus, you need to tell people about it. And maybe today, we're not going to have an altar call or walk anywhere, but maybe today, right here, right now, as you're meditating, just you and God, you want to say, God, forgive me for remaining silent when I should have spoken up. God, give me opportunities this week to share my 15-second testimony with somebody. Give me an opportunity this week to share the three circles or some other way to share the gospel with someone. God, I beg you, give me an opportunity this week to share the good news of Jesus. And pray that prayer every day. It'll change you. And maybe some of you want to say, you know what, I don't want to just do this by myself. Great. Join our summer evangelism team. Join a mission trip. Go to Zambia with us. Go somewhere with us and be a part of a team and learn how to, how to be a part of what God's doing around the world. Lord Jesus, I pray for these men and women 
and kids and whoever here in this room today. I pray for those watching online, no matter where they are. Maybe they're in places where, where living for Jesus causes intense persecution. Maybe those watching online are places that if they give their life to Jesus, their family will abandon them. Father, I don't know, but I pray right now through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would not prevent us from coming to you or living for you because of fear. We pray that you would make a way for everyone here to do what you command them to do. In your name we pray, amen. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.